Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and Wrath of Man? More like Wrath of Statham. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. I think this time uh, they'll try not to make Jason Statham angry, right? Right? <laughs> and Jeffrey Kanata. Jason Statham? I barely even know him. <laughs> there was a lot of debate uh, yeah. prior to the show. About can can you tell which was made five seconds ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about whose opening would be dumber. Um, and I'm going to have to let the listeners decide that one. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast. Of course, those are references to the fact that we will be reviewing Wrath of Man, the new Guy Ritchie movie, later today on the Slash Filmcast. Before that, we got a little bit of personal news, some podcast news, some film news, and then some what we've been watching, some weekly plugs, and then our main review of Wrath of Man. Sounds like a jam-packed show, Dave. It's really jam-packed. You could also say it's jam-packed as opposed to jam-packed. Yeah, but if you want to be boring about it. You know, there's these things, um, uh, I, I've been in couples counseling before, and there's these things called perpetual conflicts. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. And one like, of like, those things... Like, like when someone mocks the other person's tone. Yes, I like guess. when someone mocks the other person's uh, diction and locution mm-hmm. uh, at the top yeah. of a podcast. I, know, I don't I, know what that feels like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like this is going to be a, 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 a perpetual conflict for us. Um, but you well, know I'm what? sure you two will be able to sort it out, Dave. Actually, I wasn't talking about me and anyone else in my what? household. <laughs> FYI, it's actually Jeffrey. about us. <laughs> that's what like, I was, I was yeah. implying. You and Devendra. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. No, that's yeah. that's, that's fair yeah. enough. That's fair enough. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Okay, a couple <laughs> quick notes before we get started. First of all, uh, if you want to support this podcast, the easiest way to do that is by going to Patreon.com slash film podcast where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive after darks this week on the after dark we're going to be talking about our opinions on the supernatural as well as the conjuring the devil made me do it which is the third film in the conjuring series so that's what's in store for the after dark today not not the show supernatural but correct the actual the concept of supernatural stuff concept yeah, I don't want people to tune in and be like, they watched Supernatural? Yeah, I we watched I all not. 500 episodes of Supernatural <laughs> in the last week, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, on last week's episode of the Slash Filmcast After Dark and on previous episodes of the podcast, we have discussed uh, life changes, like the possibility that Jeff Kanata might be moving away from L.A. to somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, last week on the After Dark, we we got an in-depth discussion about this, got a lot of great feedback about it. Again, you can sign up and get exclusive episodes like that one at patreon.com slash film podcast. But a lot of people were asking Jeff Kanata, what's going on? Like, yeah. did it actually, did your house actually sell? What's happening? It was quite the cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, the cliff is still hanging a bit. Um, it, 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 the We have accepted an offer. We are under contract. Uh, escrow starts in just under 10 days, but we are currently in the process of, uh, getting inspections and, uh, appraisal for the house. And, um, this whole process, by the way, is crazy. I mean, I know a lot of people all around the country right now because the market, uh, market is so crazy and such a, such a, um, seller's market. A, A lot of people have 
waived those things. Buyers have waived uh, contingencies, appraisals and stuff. Ours did not, and we did not demand it. Although now I'm regretting that decision. But it, it's a wild experience. So I, I still don't know. It all, could all fall through. Uh, we, had a, we had two inspections today. They found a couple of things that are relatively minor. I don't think they're deal breakers. We shall see. But the craziest thing to me, fellas, that I have to bring up is that there's this thing of an appraiser who comes to your house and tells you what the house is worth. Yeah. Full, yeah. full robes and uh, the wig and everything, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Now, we have a person who's willing to pay a price for our house. And the appraiser comes and tells them yeah. whether the house is worth that price. Yes. To which I say, what is the definition of worth? <laughs> it's what is someone is willing to pay. And if I have someone that is willing to pay this for my house, that ipso facto is what it's worth, right? That's what it's worth. It's worth what that dude is willing to pay for it. So don't tell me it's not because he's going to pay for it. It's like, it's the craziest thing. And, and even crazier than that, all of the information that we've heard about this. And again, Mm-hmm. Your mileage may vary depending on where you are and what's going on. Maybe my area is per- particularly, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, dishonest. But we have heard that the more they pay the appraiser, the more likely the appraiser is willing to appraise your house at what you want it to be appraised for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we've been assured that, oh, this buy- this uh, the agent for our buyer has a a an appraiser that they use that they pay much more than the market rate for so we should not be worried and i'm like what a fucking racket this is <laughs> this whole thing is a racket it's yeah. a total racket like yeah, the more you yeah. pay the more likely they come back with a number that you like it's it's completely arbitrary you're throwing the power for what it's it, it is it's such a mind-boggling experience that i'm not enjoying but mm-hmm. You know, Jeff, in the, in the show notes, I thought we had written, uh, Jeff graciously thanks listeners who reached oh, out after the show. That also, that also. Uh, I thought you actually wanted an update. No, no, truly, you know, truly, without my tongue in my cheek at all, I, I so many people, I think for all three of us, not just me, although it was a little me-centric in the After Dark last week, um, so many people reached out and were very kind and um, gracious with their comments. It, it is... You know, we, it's not always easy having a very private, uh, intimate conversation with your friends released to thousands of people. Uh, it, 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 I think during it, all of us felt perhaps a little vulnerable. I know I did. And the fact that that was respected by our audience means the world to me and that so many people reached out with kind things to say and appreciated hearing us talk like that um, just warmed my heart and made me so can continue to be so happy with our audience. And it's again, another reason why Patreon has been such a boon to this show is the people that are willing to pay to hear that content are exactly the kind of people that self-select into, you know, the people I would want to hear me talk like that. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're kind, they're supportive, they're generous, and uh, it has carried through to their comments as well as their monetary contribution so yeah, thank you all a, a lot of people are willing to uh hate watch or hate listen to something very few people willing to hate pay for something mm. i found yes. um but in any case 
thank yes, thank you for all the kind comments. Thanks to all of our patrons for making that stuff possible. And also, uh, best of luck, Jeff. I'm sorry that things are a little bit rocky at first, but I think once you get past this, it'll be exciting for you. As uh, you're, you're basically at, at this point, it feels like a move out of LA for you is imminent, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, imminent is relative, but yeah. It, it, at this point, you know, you know, we will sell the house. <laughs> And then the the move will be inevitable, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it will not necessarily be imminent. <laughs> like Thanos, it's inevitable. Yeah. 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 You can't avoid it. Yeah. We can't even start looking for a house until we sell this one. So uh, fingers crossed that that'll happen smoothly. And then we get to, you know, it's, it's such a weird thing. I don't need to digress too much, but it's such a weird <laughs> thing that like, I'm going to base the next X number of years of my life where I live on what just happens to be available in a right. very narrow window yeah. of time. Tell me about it, Jeff. Yeah. And if that window had shifted by one week, either direction, like there's a completely different inventory. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, it's mm-hmm. such a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, best of luck. And uh, I'm sure you'll have plenty of help from uh, folks in our audience and other people, you know, to, to get the help you need for, for moving to wherever your destination is, uh, whatever that may be. So probably Denver, probably Denver, Absolutely. probably Denver, probably Denver. One or, quick word, or Dave's couch. <laughs> <laughs> One quick word about uh, podcast scheduling. Generally, the podcast comes out on Tuesday mornings last week and this week it's coming out on Wednesday morning. And people are wondering, like, is this a permanent shift? Uh, the answer is uh, probably not. Like we are trying to keep the episodes coming out on Tuesday mornings. Um, but we've had some scheduling challenges in the last couple of weeks, just like getting everyone together on Monday nights. And also we are starting to get press screening invitations again, Ooh. which yeah. is yeah. something that is completely foreign to us after the very eventful last year. And some press screenings happen Monday night, which means sometimes we don't have a chance to record till Tuesday night, which means the episodes don't come until Wednesday. So we're going to have to see. Um, but episodes might come out on Tuesday mornings. They might come out on Wednesday mornings. Uh, we'll do our best to keep everyone informed. But do not worry. The episodes will come out. Uh, but I just want to let people know uh, that, uh, yeah, th- things are changing. And we, we might be changing up when we publish the episode. But there will be an episode every week, just as there has been basically for the last 14 years. So anyway, uh, all right. That's a word about podcast scheduling. And now we get to a segment of the show I'm going to call movie shenanigans and we don't movie have a song shenanigans, shenanigans movie shenanigans who are these people with their movie shenanigans no that was amazing i was gonna start yeah. singing a song like i was actually no, gonna you start it, you should no you already did it you already did it it's too late now. <laughs> the moment is past now you should all just sing your two separate songs but you did a good job i mean i could beatbox your song you know yeah you should i could like go ahead movie Okay, uh, movie shenanigans. <laughs> so let, let me let me start. Let me let me get into this one by telling you uh, a, a little story about somebody who got made fun of online by the name of, let's say, Blavid Blen. Hmm. You see, Blavid. you see, Blavid Blen. You know, everyone was saying when MoviePass, remember MoviePass? Oh yeah. They yeah. for uh-huh. for a low monthly fee, they basically said you can see unlimited movies. Right. What's the problem? No problems here. And a guy named Blavid Blen was like, well, these people don't seem to have their shit together. <laughs> so I am not going to sign up for MoviePass because not only is it, quote unquote, too good to be true, but like, I don't believe 
that these people can adequately and safely handle my personal information, right? right. Like my mm-hmm. credit card, my address, my social security, whatever other stuff they collect about you. I'm not going to trust this company to manage it because I don't believe they know what the heck they are doing. My recollection and, is that Blave and Blend came around on that, though. No, that never happened. Really? I, so, I thought Blave so ended, ended up thing. signing up. Here's the thing. Count, no, that never happened. Never happened. Okay. Um, yeah. I signed up for something else, something wonderful called the AMC Stubbs A-List, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And by, oh, by I, I mean that. Blavid, you know? Yeah. But, but you know, Blavid was ruthlessly mocked by dozens of internet denizens. Mm. Uh, dozens who, of denizens? <laughs> that's correct, Jeff. Uh-huh. They said, wow, I can't believe you, Blavid, are so dumb. You're passing up this amazing deal of getting unlimited movies. And, was you know, Blavid was... It's a good uh, deal. Yeah. And, and, and Blavid was like, you know what? Uh, you guys enjoy that. I just don't trust these people to be even mildly competent with the handling of some of my most personal and intimate details, like my credit card number or my home address. And, uh, you know, that's how it went for a long time. Every time, like, MoviePass came up and Blavid brought it up, it was, uh, it was just a round of, uh, of insults. Mm. And questioning of Blavid's economic judgment. And then MoviePass shut down and other horrible things happened. And I think Blavid got the last laugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I feel like uh, I, I was there as this was happening. I do, uh-huh. I do not remember Blavid being so uh, gung-ho about saying no to MoviePass. I, but don't, I don't think I, we I, were. Did, 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 did we, we mock? I didn't mock. No, no, you guys I didn't. didn't. You guys okay. didn't. No, we we right. didn't mock you. I didn't you mock you. Did. And I, yeah, no. let me, I didn't let me sign just up say, for it either. Yeah. This uh, there, there's a lot of like movie pass, uh, I guess conversation that was happening, right? Like things got hot when they went to ten dollars, but the story <laughs> goes way back, and we talked about this. Like I talked about this. I, I interviewed the original founder of Movie Pass, uh, Stacy Spikes, way back in like 2012, 2013, and yeah, the original incarnation the of Movie Pass was actually yeah. very good, and like well, it was seeing... really clunky and expensive, yeah. but it worked. But, but it was like yeah. a reasonable offer it was like you know it was, I think it, it was built on the established rules of reality <laughs> yes it, it was built exactly. on the conventional definition of profits mm-hmm. uh, which is you know revenue minus cost equals profit basically and uh the new incarnation uh really jettisoned all that stuff so uh reason i'm bringing this up is because this week a federal trade commission complaint released yesterday uh, described some of the actions that MoviePass took to stop its customers from seeing movies. Now, <laughs> now it was. Now, uh, yeah, r- r- remind me, remind me, Dave. The when I pay money to MoviePass, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, it, uh-huh. Uh, it's been a long time. You yep. know, it, it's yeah. it's we've maybe forgotten what the service that they were offering was. But when I paid money to MoviePass, was I paying them to prevent me from seeing movies? No, actually, quite the opposite. Um, hmm. you were you were theoretically buying unlimited movies each month, huh. right? Mm. Yeah, I know. So or at least one movie a day. Yeah. Yeah, one movie a day, you know, like a ridiculous number of movies per month. And uh and the thing is, MoviePass's theory was hey, if we get enough people signed up, we can harvest their data and serve them ads and have have partnerships and stuff like that mm-hmm. that's gonna we're make up for the leader. Money. Yeah. For, for the money that we're losing, right. paying like 12 to 15 bucks for every single time you go see a movie, right? Yeah, we're a loss leader. There's not going to be who, 
how many people could there possibly be that would want to see more than one movie a month? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's preposterous. It's preposterous that anyone could want to see that many movies. But according to an FCC press release announcing the complaint, I'm reading right now from Mashable. MoviePass invalidated users' passwords and claimed falsely that it had detected fraud related to their accounts. And this is <laughs> to 75,000 users, many of whom were locked out of their accounts as MoviePass's password reset process often failed. Uh, so this is the, the idea here is that it, they didn't actually have any fraud, yes. but it was a way to. Uh, that's, sorry, it's out of our hands. We'd love to give you another movie ticket to a, a, a film. That, uh, we w wish we could, but oh, there might be fraud on your account. Sorry. Yeah, it's more like you got you got to reset your password. We've detected fraudulent activity. You got to reset your password. And then, by the way, when you go to reset your password, it doesn't work. Yeah. So you're basically then just locked out of your account. So that's <laughs> that's one way. Uh, second way that they tried to prevent you from seeing movies was they launched a ticket verification program, uh, which didn't work correctly, and as a result, blocked thousands of subscribers from using the service. Now, uh, uh, now, as far as I can recall, as I, uh, David Chang recall, like the uh, ticket verification was like you had to take a picture of the ticket, uh, and this was to prevent you from like reselling the ticket or giving the ticket to someone else. Uh, is my understanding of this? So uh, the but apparently it didn't work. And then finally, perhaps most outrageously, quote, MoviePass's operators used tripwires that blocked certain groups of users, typically those who viewed more than three movies per month, from utilizing yeah. the service after they collectively hit certain thresholds based on their monthly cost to the company. L quote. Literally everybody on film Twitter, probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just All like, the people that were most excited list. about this service, right? Yeah. Yes. The whole, everybody who was like, oh my God, finally I can pay one low fee and see as many movies as, as they want. MoviePass went, oh, you are not our target audience. <laughs> you are not who we like using this service. We want people who don't use anything. Because, yeah. right, the, the way this worked, and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, it's been a while and I'm fuzzy. There's a the, whole history here, but yeah. But go, the go way ahead. it worked, right, was that they literally were paying the theaters yes. the full yep. price for the they ticket. They paid the full price, yes. Yeah. They, they might have negotiated like a smaller, you know, some wholesale price or whatever, but it was, it was I, it I was did close. not hear that. Yeah, yeah okay, so... Yeah. We can assume that it was close to the full price, at least. Yeah, yep. The theaters right. wanted no, like, they did not want to help MoviePass at all. <laughs> right. So I, I cannot imagine that they would be like, hey, no, we'll give you true. a discount on this. Good, yeah. good point, good point. But the piece de resistance, <laughs> according to the FTC complaint, quote, MoviePass's operators also failed to take reasonable steps to secure personal information it collected from subscribers, such as their names, email addresses, birth dates, credit card numbers, and geolocation information. For example, the company stored consumers' personal data, including financial information and email addresses, in plain text and failed to impose restrictions on who could access personal data. In this old shoe in their office. <laughs> it was actually a notepad file on <laughs> Windows 7, is what I understand. Uh, so anyway, if you, in fact, were doxxed or something terrible happened to you, I do feel very sorry for you. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not laughing at that your was the story in 2019. By the way, like we knew that they're, uh, like they yes. exposed yes. credit card numbers. Correct. Well, also Correct. the thing you've left out of this article uh, is that the FTC is accusing everyone at the top of this organization <laughs> of knowingly doing this. This yeah, absolutely. What do you, it wasn't what do you... like, oh, there was a flaw in your system that made this happen. It was, they literally sent out orders to block the people that were seeing movies more often. They sent out orders to uh, shut down certain users by telling them that they had a fraudulent thing. It was all completely manipulated and fraudulent. Absolutely. Yeah. These were mob tactics, basically, 
by a group of uh i don't know what you say like hucksters and yeah. like the thing the thing is like they it, it was a whole transition i think for the longest time movie pass was around 50 bucks a month right from like 2012 to 2016 it was around there and then um they switched up ceos to mitch Lowe, the guy who basically made Redbox a thing you know and his whole genius idea with Redbox was like oh the a dollar I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd rent that for a dollar, right? So he made all the Redbox things $1. All of a sudden, Redbox became a hit. And he was like saying in like 2016 that he was trying to like, we just got to lower the price of these things. And then uh, the movie pass would be a success. He was correct in as much as it became such a success that they could not afford to stay in business. You know, like they they got, they were acquired by a company called Helios. Um, They had a... basically a ton of investors that they had to impress but they did not have enough money to actually be a service so it it was a whole thing i i think it's like the one of the best uh examples of like startup hubris we've seen in the past decade right malfeasance i mean it's yeah the, the it reminds me of that uh the thing from the blockbuster documentary where they talked about how at one point Blockbuster was just like no late fees, and, yep, yep. and then people were like, "There oh, were in fact so late I fees. never, never have to return a movie again." What's the what's? The, and they were like, "Oh, we didn't really think that through. Uh, we're losing massive amounts of money because people are just keeping the movies." <laughs> Indeed, Indeed. It's like the marketing department of these companies is just like, oh, you know, what would be really you know what people hate is that the money they have to pay. Yeah. What if we just make them not pay the money? And they're like, yes! Oh, oh my God, you were so right. Everybody's signing up. Let, let, How let much money say, are we guys. making? It's like, none. We're actually hemorrhaging it. Oh, um, oh yeah. that's a successful business. Um, we, we will probably never talk about MoviePass again. Like, there's going to yep. be no reason to talk about this company. In the aftermath, I do want to say, I don't, I respect your position, Dave. I saw so many movies. Like, I saw... <laughs> a ton of movies in a city where movie tickets were $18. I was watching $25 movie tickets, you know, uh, on this movie path plan um, in IMAX in like, in like the big theaters and stuff. And it it was a lot of movies. So yeah, yeah. They probably did expose my credit card info. That has happened (laughs) many, many many times. Moved to a different state. So who's got the last laugh now? (laughs) You get a new credit card. (laughs) You get a new identity. All you had to do was change your entire settings and identity. Fake his own death, and now everything's great. (laughs) You get you get a new credit card, but it was it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money worth of tickets. Um, and I fully support people bleeding the VC investors dry. Like literally like that. Yes, do that because all they want to do is steal your data. So sure. All right. Well, you have a, you have a wide variety of opinions here on the slash filmcast <laughs> as to whether you should give predatory companies your data. Um, but whatever the case, we hope if your stuff got stolen and your shit was messed up, that you, you at least are, got some movies. Out movies. Out you at least got <laughs> yeah. some movies. Yeah, you had some good times. How, how, how much of a movie lover are you, Dave? Apparently not enough. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if you heard, but I'm part of I'm an exclusive member of the A list. So yeah, at least I was pre-COVID. Anyway, (laughs) does that even exist anymore? Oh yeah, you can just you can hit a button and reactivate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it. I did that and then promptly stopped doing that because uh, the AMC is too far for me right now. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm moving away from the AMC Mm -hmm. across the street Mm -hmm. from my house. Maybe Mm. uh, like an idiot. Maybe you'll find another one, Jeff. Like imagine that's how you're going to find your next home. That's my has to be across the street. Tell my realtor. There's only one, really only one thing I'm looking for. What's your movie pass uh, zone rating? <laughs> your AMC zone rating? What's your, yeah. what's your movie walkability yeah. Yeah. score, yeah. basically? Yeah. All right. Well, those are movie shenanigans for this week. 
Hey, this episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. Now, this, I can't imagine a more perfect sponsor for the Slash Filmcast. This is the service for cinephiles or people that have always wanted to be cinephiles because every single day, Mubi premieres a new film. These are movies from iconic directors and also emerging auteurs. There's always something new to discover. And it's it's the polar opposite to most streaming services, which just dump a ton of content on you. You don't even know what's good, what's not. This is why we have to have the hashtag slash tag, because it's so hard to wade through all the options online. Not with Mubi. Mubi is all about curation. Each and every film is hand-selected. It's like being at your own personal film festival that you can stream anytime, anywhere. And I'm telling you, this is a film education. This is the best of the best. I mean, they have incredible international films. If you want to educate yourself in the most exciting, most interesting, the most fascinating stuff from decades past, from right now, Every single day a new film comes up, but they also have categories. Let me just read you a few of the categories in here. It's amazing. Uh, 1980s masterpieces, films about films, the portrait of an artist, modern masterpieces, women with movie cameras is a whole category. The films of Alejandro Jodorowsky. I mean, these are deep cuts, fascinating films, all of them handpicked. And you can try Mubi free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash filmcast. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T for a whole month of great cinema for free. This is the best of cinema at your fingertips, streaming anytime, anywhere. I cannot imagine a better way to discover hundreds of great films handpicked. And Mubi.com slash filmcast gets you 30 free days. Let's get to what we've been watching. Uh, and I want to mention, if you want to suggest something for us to watch, all you got to do is head on over to Twitter and use the hashtag slash tag. And uh, I think I actually picked this up from a hashtag slash tag. Yeah. The movie Plan B. Yes. Uh, directed by Natalie Morales. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Have you guys heard of this film? I did. I, I've Definitely. seen it. Yeah. Oh, you've seen it, Devendra. Um, yes. This movie is... A delight. I laughed my ass off watching this movie. I'm going to read the plot summary from the internet. Quote, after a regrettable sexual encounter, a straight-laced student and her best friend have 24 hours to hunt down a Plan B pill in South Dakota. End quote. Uh, So it's kind of like a road movie. It reminds me in some ways of uh, like Booksmart, you know, another great movie about. There was uh, there's another literally Plan B Road movie. It was Unpregnant, right? Or Unpregnancy? Oh, on yeah. HBO. I never saw that one. Yeah. Never saw that yeah. one. But, um, also recent. Yeah. Uh, but it reminded me of Booksmart because that was also about a uh, high school friendship between girls. Yeah. and Straight lace friend and slacker friend. That's the only way to make a movie, you know? Yeah. And this one is... I actually like this movie more than Booksmart, I'm going to say. I like this movie a lot more than Booksmart. Yeah. Yes. Because, yeah. first of all, it, it, like, it has a lot to say about, you know, female... Uh, uh, reproductive health basically mm-hmm. right like there's actual like a uh, 
There is a really strong kind of message behind it that I think is interesting. It has two women of color in the main leads and um, one of them, Kuhu Verma, is like mm-hmm. a, like she was in The Big Sick and she's been in a few other things, but this is like the first uh, role I've seen her in where she plays like a, a main protagonist and she's wonderful in the movie. Like everyone's wonderful in the movie. I, I love the main, um, like the, her and Victoria Morales, like just yeah. fantastic. Great chemistry. Yeah great chemistry and also it's incredibly raunchy like it is it reminded me of like fa- early days Farley brothers stuff like sure or just even like how, super bad ish right type like just so like, like yeah there's some stuff they show that is outrageously inappropriate can, can and, i spoil one thing which mm, i think is isn't even a huge spoiler but there there's a certain right. appendage right like i think i i wonder <laughs> can we mention that the appendage yeah, spoiler i i guess you're already doing it but yeah suffice i don't know. to say there let's not let's not talk about know. it too much is what i'm saying but let's just say there's stuff they show that i was surprised at and uh which you, and, you don't normally see in a movie yeah, like you don't this. normally see that stuff or in any movie movies yeah. and it was so cringy and uncomfortable and also wonderful and i really love this movie mm-hmm. um davindra any any other thoughts about plan b on hulu no, I mean I love it. It is uh it is a great story about friendship, but I also love that yeah, it is about two women of color and there are like great cultural touchstones in here too. Uh there's a running gag about the India the Indian mafia in terms of like if you <laughs> uh-huh. see an Indian person um in a small place like South Dakota, cl- they all talk to each other. Uh <laughs> I I did not quite have that, but certainly I you know, in Hartford, Connecticut, there was a small community of people, you know, from my country of Guyana and everybody knew each other. So I absolutely knew what that was like. Um, there's a lot of like great little uh, uh, guest performances in here, too. Like uh, just quick things. I, I love seeing Jay Chandra Shekhar in this film, too. Um, like just a ton. Rachel Dratch is in this. This yeah. movie is a blast. It is a ton of fun. Um, I, I think like having watched it, there may be some logistical questions i would have for their plan but hey these are teenagers you know they're, they're not really thinking this through but uh i i think the core conflicts of this movie is also really important right because after that uh that uh sexual encounter the girl's looking for a plan b pill she can't get it just because uh, uh the, the guy didn't feel like because it because of regressive laws basically yeah. or re- you know regressive rules or regressive people like some combination of those things right yep so and that's america baby yeah 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 so uh, I love this movie. It's a raunchy uh, comedy that has something to say, mm-hmm. and, and that's pretty rare. And uh, I think these two, two actresses will be breakout stars from this thing. Definitely check it out. The movie is Plan B, and it's available right now on Hulu. So check that out. Okay. I also had a chance to watch the first two episodes of Loki oh, on Disney+. Plus. Tread that's, that's carefully, amazing. Chen. Tread carefully. I'm, I'm, listen, Jeff, I'm just saying that's amazing. What an opportunity for David Chen yeah. to see the first two episodes of Loki. I'm really interested in hearing what that's like because I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I also don't know. Um, <laughs> well, let me just say, guys, okay, uh, this was not like the Lovecraft Country invite, okay, in the sense uh-huh. that uh, Disney makes you check off a bunch of boxes that are like, I will not share this or else be exiled from the land of Disney for all time. You know, you know, I, I understand that. I understand how <laughs> sure, NDAs sure. and secret, you know, releases work, Dave. Um, I'm just saying the the extra step of just being like, uh, hey, I got these two uh, schlebs with me. 
Yeah, two you know, more codes, uh -huh. please. Yeah, they, uh, they could. Uh, they, they would probably be able to watch this and discuss it, and our, you know, offer perspective. Our conversation about it would be lively and yeah. uh, informative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. informed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll put in a good word for you with the Disney overlords mm -hmm. uh, next time we have our, our weekly meeting. All right. Um, but I will say very little about it because you guys are going to watch it uh, tomorrow. In, in, tomorrow. Uh, I'll just say I watched the first two episodes and. Uh, they were awesome. Like I'm Ugh, so into the show, and it's di so different from anything yeah. else we've seen from Disney. That's good. Um, yeah. Uh, when I, I would argue that Wandavision ultimately became a normal conventional Marvel show, despite uh, having a really interesting take on like episodic television and mm -hmm. and starting off really bold and interesting, and then kind of eventually evolving into just kind of conventional Marvel fare. And Falcon and Winter Soldier started at that point, I would argue potentially under that point, and then didn't rise above. And Loki just feels like completely different than anything else we've seen from Marvel. Great. So I'm so being excited. as vague as possible. And when you guys have seen the, the first episode, I will feel more comfortable talking more mm, about it. Yeah. Um, it really would have been nice like to have this... a conversation about that. Yeah, it would have right been, yeah. been really live. I'm sure our audience would have loved it, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, or we could talk about it next week, too. You know, that, that's the thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody's going to care by then. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> um, uh, I will say I'm very pleased by what seems to be happening with this phase of Marvel, where mm -hmm. it just it just feels like they're open to getting weird and pushing the envelope of of kind of fun sci-fi ideas, I just yeah. think. I mean, Modoc's a part a, of this too, right? Like, and they're not really hyping it up, but it, it is part of it, right? In in a sense, I don't think it's you know yeah. in in universe or in canon, but yeah. Uh, so that's Loki, and it starts streaming on Disney Plus by the time you are listening to this podcast. Um, so check it out. Also, just a quick shout out. You know, Devendra Hardwar got me a very lovely birthday present. He, he shipped it to my house and uh, it was a Blu-ray. Now, uh, most of the Blu-rays I want, I already own. Right? I, I know what you got. Yes. I consider it a part of my yeah. job to like be watching Blu-rays and talking about them on this podcast. And so if there's anything that's kind of even remotely interesting to me, I typically buy it. And so when I saw that it was a Blu-ray, I was like, ooh, like I don't know if Devinger's going to be able to get me something I don't already have that I want. But Devendra, yeah. let me let me just say, you are also one of the hardest people to buy gifts for, David Chen. <laughs> this is you must, yeah, your wife you must go have a and tough do time. this and yeah. totally redeem yourself. No, I mean, <laughs> Devendra nailed it. He got me a Blu-ray of Drunken Master Two, my favorite Jackie Chan movie. It's an incredible and movie. I did Great not movie. know this Blu-ray existed, and it's like apparently a remaster. It mm -hmm. looks great. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks to Devendra for getting me this Blu-ray. It's incredible. Uh, where did you get it? What? What? It is, I we... mean, it's it's it is on uh, Amazon. Amazon your okay, workplace. Great. Yeah. Uh, I didn't but know no, everywhere. Your workplace. <laughs> your workplace. Uh, it is. It <laughs> yes. actually just was released at like uh, I think the last week of May. So it is I a see, brand new Blu-ray release. Yeah, yeah. And it, so it's it looks there. great. And you know what's awesome about it too was when you're selecting subtitles. Apparently, they redid the subtitles. Now, mm -hmm. I'm used to watching Drunken Master 2 on a very worn-out VHS cassette Absolutely. in widescreen, yes. right? Yes, And uh, it has the, like, original subtitles, which, like, you know, look really bad on screen. And also, like, there's tons of grammatical errors. Mm -hmm. And when you're selecting subtitles on this Blu-ray, it says, 
we can give you the original subtitles, but FYI, it has grammatical errors, or you can use this new translation. I'm like, that's nice. Give you me can the, keep the original. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, give me the original, baby. I want that. I want those grammar errors. I want the authentic experience. Uh, so thank you so much, Devendra. <laughs> this is an the awesome authentic experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, like, I've watched this VHS tape so many times, Jeff. Um, and then to see it, I think the the American version of this is called Legend of Drunken Master. Yes, right. And they did that in like the mid nineties. I don't bad recall. Uh, I don't recall um, the uh, Blu-ray that version having the original language. Right. No, like no. yeah. So that was. I, I basically have never watched that version because I'm like I I want it with the original Cantonese, mm-hmm. and uh, this allowed me to watch it with the original Cantonese and poorly translated subtitles, which is this is the way it should be. The way and it in the highest definition Jackie yes. Chan you can get. Yeah. Yes. So thank you so much, Devendra. The Drunken no Master Two Blu-ray is available right now uh, wherever Blu-rays are sold. Also, everybody buy it because these things don't stay in circulations for long. Yes. So if oh, you want it, get it now. If yeah. you are even remotely into Jackie Chan's work. This is a must-buy, as far as I can tell. So check it out, Drunken Master 2. Okay, that's what I've been watching. Devinder, what have you watched this week? I want to shout out a couple things. Another new show from our favorite streaming network, Peacock. Uh, it's a show Wait, called... How's that, how's that pronounced, Dave? Peacock! Peacock, <laughs> I believe. Peacock. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We should just really yeah. be the new like uh, network announcers. You are watching Peacock! <laughs> Yeah, I like it. It's great. It's great. Just a different one every time. I've been watching We Are Lady Parts, which is, this show is fantastic. This is a new British comedy about a uh, Muslim punk band, uh, an all-girl punk band. Uh, they start out, um, it's it's a three-piece band at the beginning, and the mission of this band is to find a lead guitarist, who they find is another young Muslim girl who doesn't quite want to be a lead guitarist. And this, this show is just so funny because it gives us the perspective um, that we haven't really seen before. It's like, these are young Muslim women who are devout to sense, right? Like they will still pray several times daily. You know, they'll still wear um, the, the hijab and everything. Like they're, they're devoted in a certain sense, but they're also like, you know, anarchists. They're in a punk band. You know, uh, they don't do what their parents tell them. In one case, what their parents are telling them is, please do not go on these like weird arranged marriage things. But the girl is really like into doing that, too, like on her own volition. So there's a lot going on here. But uh, I just want to shout it out because this show is really funny. It feels like a mixture of uh, I would say Scott Pilgrim, actually, like Edgar Wright, Scott Pilgrim mixed with Fleabag. But with the, um, you know, being a setting of Muslim young girls in Britain right now. And I love all the characters, like every bit. It's just so energetic. And it's a show filled with things we haven't really seen on TV before. It's created by uh, Nita Manzur. And I think it's worth uh, worth watching. You can watch the first episode for free on Peacock. And uh, I have to say, like, after between this and uh, Girls 5 Eva, and even the freaking like Saved by the Bell thing. Yeah. This this is the show that made me subscribe to Peacock because wow. I want to see what's happening here and I want more shows like this to exist. So check out We Are Lady Parts. It's worth it. And the first episode is free and really fun. It's cool. It's on Pe- Peacock. Peacock. <laughs> Peacock shaping up to be a pretty interesting streaming service. So yeah, We Are Lady Parts is the name of the show. Devendra, what else are you watching? 
I also checked out uh, The Mosquito Coast, which is a big budget show that's on Apple TV Plus that nobody's talking about. Uh, this, I, I've never I've never read the book. I haven't seen the uh, the earlier adaptation. There was like a big movie in the 80s, too. Right. Um, this is a series starring Justin Thoreau, who's apparently the nephew of the author of the Mosquito Coast. So it's getting like really, I don't know, weirdly, it's weird how like Hollywood legacy kind of all connects at this point. But this is a version of that. Uh, it's an adaptation by Tom Bissell and Neil Cross, who created Luther. So if you liked Luther, this show has a bit of that energy. I, I think the book the, the he- is about the a guy. The headline that I saw, yeah. the headline that I saw in the Los Angeles Times is, quote, mm-hmm. A glossy new TV series set out to criticize ugly Americans. Yes. Instead, it embodies them, end quote. That's the, <laughs> that is the headline. And I guess I'm curious, like, what your assessment, if that headline is accurate, Devendra. I don't, I don't know if it's quite there. I mean, the book, the book itself is pure, like, uh, American tourism. Like, the idea was uh, the guy uproots his family and moves randomly in Latin America, right? And the, the book was all about them trying to have the sort of, like, uh, Captain Fantastic Life, right? Where they're living off the land and off the grid and kind of teaching the kids themselves. This show is more like Breaking Bad in a way because Justin Thoreau plays a guy who is kind of like a genius inventor, but also kind of a failure because his inventors, uh, his inventions don't really go anywhere and nobody, like he makes things nobody wants really, but he's very smart and idealistic and his family is like, just has to follow through with him. Um, The show starts with them kind of being already on the run, right? They're living in a, in in a quiet house in in California. Um, They've gone through several identities you know, they have to live off the grid and be very careful about not using the phone and things like that. So the show starts in a place where Breaking Bad kind of gets to, but it reminds me of, uh, what was the other one? The other like Breaking Bad-esque show that's on Netflix right now. Uh, you're going to have to be more specific. The oh, one uh, you Ozark. guys like. Ozark. 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 It, 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 it oh, is Ozark. very much like Ozark. Like it is about this family getting basically into trouble and trying to get themselves out of it. I've only seen a few episodes right now. I'm into it mainly because uh, I think Justin Thoreau is a fantastic actor and I will honestly just like watch most of what he's in. Also, Melissa George co-stars in this and I love her. completely. Yes. So it's them as a couple uh, basically on the run from the law doing at at the end of the first episode, certainly doing some like really nefarious shit and getting their kids into it, too. As a drama, I think it's uh, interesting. And as a crime story, it has that like luther flash i think the thing about luther it was a show where it wasn't a normal cop show it could be like kind of uh pulpy at times and i think this has the the vibe of a thriller more than uh maybe what the original book was going for so i'm gonna keep watching it it's definitely probably gonna end up being about ugly americans in latin america but uh i kind of want to see what the story is compared to ozark i watched half of the first season I just couldn't quite get into it. I know you guys love it. I know a lot of people love it, but I couldn't quite get into it because I didn't care about them. Whereas at least this family is like, oh, th- these problems are interesting. Like what is happening here and the extent to which they're running from the law, I think is kind of intriguing. And the filmmaking is really good too. It's a really good looking show. So uh, I would suggest checking it out. And especially if you miss uh, Justin Thoreau in The Leftovers, uh, he is very much in full on, uh semi crazy patriarch mode in this so i kind of dig that yeah 
Awesome. Well, that's the Mosquito Coast on Apple TV Plus. I'm I'm happy that Melissa George is still yeah, getting high never. profile work. I you know the first uh, thing I saw her in was Triangle, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite horror films of all time. And uh, it's cool that she's uh, she's still doing. She should stuff, be so. in more things. She used yeah. to be. She was an alias for a while too. So yeah. I love it when Sup- whenever Melissa George pops up in anything, and them as a couple is really intriguing because the guy like Justin Theroux's character is kind of a crazy person, right? He is leading his family down dangerous paths. And it's interesting to me how like she just continues to follow him. Melissa George's character is still in love with him and will still like do anything. I, I hope like it starts to interrogate that. But for now, it's it's just fun television. All right. Again, The Mosquito Coast is available on Apple TV+. Hey, I want to step in here and tell you about our sponsor, StoryWorth. Man, if there has ever been a year to make the dads in your life feel loved and appreciated on Father's Day, it is this year. This is the longest I've ever been without seeing my dad in person since I was born. I still haven't seen him since the pandemic started, since before that. Uh, And it's really sad. But luckily for me, two years ago, I ordered StoryWorth for my dad for Father's Day. And it has been an absolute joy having our bound book of stories, questions answered by him, insight into my dad that I never had and that my kids are going to have forever. That's why I think it's such a great gift to think about for Father's Day. I honored my dad with the gift two years ago. It is a heartfelt, sentimental gift the whole family can cherish together forever. It's StoryWorth. So what is it? StoryWorth is an online service that helps your dad, your grandfather, your father-in-law, any father figure in your life share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's this fun way to engage with them, especially if you can't get together in person like I haven't with my dad in almost two years. Every single week, StoryWorth emails your dad a different story prompt, questions that you never thought to ask, like... What is your favorite story about your father? What are things that you are proudest of in life? And you get an email of your dad's responses. It's incredible to watch. I loved watching it week after week after week. The time and effort my dad put into answering these questions. I think he really enjoyed the process. He would always ask me when we talked on the phone, hey, did you read my story worth question? It was incredible. And StoryWorth has helped numerous families learn about each other in profound, special ways. And their testimonials will practically move you to tears. In fact, StoryWorth has already created a powerful experience for me because of how much my dad loved doing it, how much he cared about crafting the right email and and took it really seriously. And I learned things about my dad, about how he was brought up and his time in the military that I never knew before. There's no shortage of surprises when you read those weekly stories and they make your family feel close even when you're not together. And then, like what happened to me, after a year, StoryWorth will compile all your dad's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. Give your dad the most meaningful gift this Father's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash slash filmcast. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash and then the word slash filmcast for $10 off. 
Hey, I gotta jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. Oh, you've heard me talk about HelloFresh before. Why? I've been using it for years. HelloFresh, the fresh, pre-measured ingredients, mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. It has changed my life. I love it. It has made me fall in love with cooking. It makes me feel good about providing for my family. And it cuts out all of the stress points about meal planning and grocery store trips. I can enjoy cooking. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to cook. And I don't have to worry about rushing out to the store to get ingredients and then getting extra ingredients in in quantities that aren't what I need for the recipe and then inevitably go bad in the fridge. And you want variety? Oh man, you get variety. HelloFresh offers 27, more than 27 recipes every single week. You can choose from them from vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to awesome burgers and extra special gourmet options. There's something for everybody to enjoy. And one of my favorite things about HelloFresh is loading up that app and picking out my meals weeks in advance, getting excited to to choose among those over 27 meals every single week. It's great. I eat healthier. I know what's going in my food. I'm saving money. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at the local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing the quality. And we had we have great great stuff. I mean, I just I just cooked for my father-in-law last night uh, some HelloFresh. What a cool feeling that was to be able to one that, be the one that provides for the family, cooks the meal, and it's delicious. It tastes as good as going out to dinner. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Filmcast12, use your code Filmcast12, and you'll get 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's pretty amazing. HelloFresh.com slash the word Filmcast12, F-I-L-M-C-S-T-1-2. And then that code Filmcast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Try it and see why it is America's number one meal kit. Devinger Hardware, what else have you been watching this week? I've been, uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of uh, the Ratchet and Clank. So Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Ratchet and Clank Game. is a hit decades-old series that was on the Sony PlayStation consoles. Video game series, yeah. Video yes. game series. Uh, it was also a film that yep. no one saw. Correct. Uh, but I, I completely forgot that was a movie. Yeah. yeah. So the latest Ratchet and Clank game called Rift Apart is coming out this Friday on PlayStation 5. It's a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Devinger, you're one of the few people on the planet that own a PlayStation 5, and you've been playing it. Everyone is saying this is one of the best... This is the best PlayStation 5 game and one of the best games of all time. What do you think? I've been playing it too. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I want to know ahead. what Jeff is thinking, but I, <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to shout it out because I'm sure this is your bread and butter, Jeff. Just want to say up front, like, this game is gorgeous. This is like yeah. I think for a long time in the video game arena, people who talk about games, right? Like we've been waiting for the moment where you're playing a Pixar movie, mm. and I we we got it. This is yeah. it. Like the sheer power of the PS5 and the animation that Insomniac like throws at this game. You're watching cutscenes that are indistinguishable from a Pixar movie made ten years ago. Like honestly, I've seen CG movies that look worse that were made like five years ago. Yeah. You know, it it is just so 
it is you probably you mm -hmm. you really didn't like that studio ghibli movie right like (laughs) oh my god (laughs) this is better than the the, you're playing a game that looks better than the latest studio ghibli movies because people have facial expressions and you can tell what the characters are thinking and emoting uh because they actually animated it instead of cheaping out uh yeah yeah burn that ghibli movie uh you know with fire this game looks great uh i just want to say that like it is a hallmark for i think game graphics and i played most of it in the like pure 4k mode which was like 30 fps but they gave us access to the faster mode and as a you know when i play games i try to go for the higher frame rates when i can it looks incredible in the mode at like 60 fps with ray tracing so you get some of the like dynamic lighting and stuff and uh, it's a variable 4k frame rate so it's not not always at 4K, but I for me, frame rate always matters more. But overall, no matter how you play it, this game's going to look great. Uh, Jeff, what did you think? I found myself completely paralyzed yeah. by that decision mm. of whether to play at full graphic splendor at 30 frames or slightly reduced with ray tracing at 60 frames. I must have switched back a <laughs> dozen times back and forth because it, I it kept should go- give you different options for the movie sequences and then for gameplay. Because I think for movies, it doesn't really the, matter as much. The 60 frames is such a huge improvement mm-hmm. gameplay-wise. It feels buttery and wonderful. But I couldn't help wondering what was shut off. It, <laughs> well, what were you like missing? Yeah. VFX and some you know, some scene complexity or something is what they say in the menu. And so I kept going, oh, but what, if I, what did I not see? What is the... It's, it's horrible that... I have such analysis paralysis Listen, of like which this is, better, is a good which, problem to have. That's all. I yeah. suppose. Yeah. But yeah. what do you think of the game itself? The game is spectacular. I mean, Insomniac is is firing on all cylinders right now, and Devinder is absolutely right. I mean, it's it doesn't look as good as Raya and the Last Dragon, mm-hmm. but like Moana, yeah, it looks basically <laughs> as good as Moana. You know wow. what I mean? So Moana Slam. Moana Slam. No, 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 it looks no, no. better I, than the Incredibles no. one. Yeah, by far. I mean, like, oh, how about by far, that? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm talking like I was just picking movies that yeah, no, are about five facetious. years apart, right? It's yeah. been about five years. I, I, since I think you forgot the uh, the dinosaur movie. What was that even called? The oh, uh, the last dinosaur. The yeah. good dinosaur. The good dinosaur. The good dinosaur. The good sure. dinosaur. Yeah, that movie. That movie had actually amazing yeah. backgrounds mm-hmm. or looked, like it environments. Spectacular. Not a great yeah. movie, but it looked amazing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, you're absolutely right. It, it is. It is indistinguishable from a you know cinema grade cg animated film and you're playing it in real time and you're doing incredible things like leaping through rifts that you know put you in wildly different locations instantly and if you've ever played a ratchet and clank game you know that the weapons are always wacky and fun Mm -hmm. and add a a, a dynamism to the experience that is kind of unmatched in any other third person shooter it it really they really go wacky in such fun ways and the rifts are wacky too now you can like teleport across the map uh back and forth it's 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 mind-boggling and the storytelling is is solid you know it's not it that is not you know cinema grade uh movie level in my opinion but it's still fun and there's some cool new characters introduced and you know it's it's a home run if you have a Mm -hmm. ps5 it's a no-brainer it's Uh, a no it's a no-brainer i i I will say the like the one i've never really been into the ratchet and clank games and the one thing like the one weakness here is i don't think they've really like modernize the gameplay as much because it's still like yeah the weapons are cool but you're still spending a lot of time just like running around and like sh- shooting the bad guys yeah um That's but the game. I, 
yeah, that's the game. I would I would love to see like them innovate on that a little. But as an overall experience, as a storytelling experience, um, the music is composed by Mark Mothersbaugh. Like it is, it it just feels epic in a way yeah. that feels impossible from you know certainly previous generation gaming systems. But I can imagine like telling my younger self, you know, games are going to look this good someday. And I, I definitely would never have believed it. So, yeah, get it yeah, if you're lucky true. enough to have a PS5. That's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. That's what the Vindra has been playing watching this week. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? Well, I watched some more Mythic Quest because Devendra was so adamant about it last week. But I also kind of mm. cheaped out and only watched the one episode. Every, every season, evidently, uh, Mythic Quest does one standalone episode. You I know, watched- Jeff. Let me let me just say this. <laughs> I'm very glad you're watching the Mythic Quest, but Mythic Quest is it's, it's, it, this isn't a buffet. You can't just <laughs> pick and choose. This is a well, five course meal, Jeff. You're gonna go in order. What are you doing? Well, but in in season one, episode five was this standalone story yes, that yes. only tangentially related to not ten, I right. guess not even tangentially, but it, it, you didn't need to have the fuller context to enjoy this sort of short story that they presented. And again, they did that same thing with, with season two episode five is this short story. That's actually a period piece takes place in the seventies. And it does involve a main character from the main show, but you needn't know much about that character at all to enjoy this, this standalone story. And it is a standalone story that is very close to my heart as someone who grew up uh, the first books that I got addicted to were Isaac Asimov's foundation novels. They still are very close to my heart. I loved reading sci-fi as a kid. My dad like gave me all his hand-me-down, you know, books from the sixties and seventies that he was reading these paperback pulp sci-fi novels. And I read Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke and all that. Like I was, that kind of brought me into this imaginative space. Like I, I went and saw star Wars, right. As a little kid. And then my dad's like, here here are books you're ready for this now yeah Yeah. and just like blew my mind um and and this episode five of season two of mythic quest is very much about that it's about falling in love with science fiction and and being a writer and all that stuff and it is it's lovely it's really well shot it is it it is a short film basically Mm -hmm. i don't think it is as strong as season one's episode five short story yeah it's Uh, not completely standalone is the thing yes it is it is more of the backstory for one of the main characters of the show and um in that sense you're right but i do think you could certainly enjoy it without knowing any of that you can listen i would say and it's also like I recommended that in the first season to like check out the standalone episode just to get people a sense of like, hey, look what the show can do. But that wasn't really the show. Right. And the show itself was a more traditional uh, workplace sitcom type thing. And I I don't want to devalue that at this point, especially as they're in season two. And I think they're doing so well with the workplace comedy. And then they have this is the sort of like, you know, here's a treat. Here's a little treat of like (laughs) something else we can do outside of like the realm uh, and the universe and the office we're in. And I really appreciate that. But Jeff, you got to go watch the rest of this. thing. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to, but it's interesting because it's like, (laughs) it's like the opposite of a bottle episode, right? It's it's one episode every season where they spend all the money. They just had a bottle episode too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I did enjoy it. And and I think it's well-made. It's, it's poignant. It's interesting. It, it, highlights a type of personality mm-hmm. that you rarely see depicted in fiction, but is a 
kind of a person I know, you know, we, I think we all know, um, and it does it very, very well. And, and you, you feel this, this pang of sympathy, but also they make their own bed in, in a certain sense. Exactly. And it's, exactly. it's, um, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's a lovely little episode. So I, I know think it Divindra, tells you so much about that character. I think that's, what's yeah. more uh, so important here too, is because it's like, listen, and you probably know which character it is. If we're talking about the seventies and, and everything yeah, and right. sci-fi here, but it is so smart about what it reveals about that character and how they think and kind of what made them. Uh, yeah. And there, there's a moment here. There's a moment in the episode where you just get a sense of like, oh, they know what interactive media will bring. Right. It, it is yeah. like an awakening moment, which to me was uh, was a really like meaningful and impactful thing there because I can I know that moment. Sure. I know that moment. I saw Super Mario Brothers for the first time and I was five years old. Yeah. And I was like, I, this will be my life someday. Yeah. You know, in, in some way I need to make this a part of my life and be a part of this. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's that feeling. It really captures that really well, but yeah, we got to go into spoilers to go deep on this one. Yeah. It's, it's easy to recommend though. A good mm-hmm. episode. And, uh, I know Devendra would say, don't watch it w- w- out of context, but I think watching it out of context was, was pretty enjoyable still yeah. the uh so that's mythic quest season two episode five did you see the episode quarantine six episode? actually that's oh, episode, episode six, six. Yep. all right did you see the quarantine episode jeff canada or you just skipped straight to that episode that you're we're talking about i did not watch the quarantine you episode. should watch the quarantine episode that all actually right. is a better sense of like what they can do with the workplace thing like with the workplace conceit that's yeah. still on my list so all right. um that, all right good to hear i said this last week but i do think like looking back that episode i can't think of anything that better captured March or April last year, mm-hmm. you know, which was a very specific time when we had no clue what was going on. Everything was terrifying and everybody was scared. But there was like even a weird sense of like, oh, this is gonna be a fun, right? This could be a fun thing to try for a couple of weeks. Who knows how long this is gonna last? It, it, yeah, for, for it's some a weird people, balance. For some yeah. people, for sure. Um, but mm-hmm. for other people, not. But yes, absolutely, I, it, it's possible. Um, uh, so I still got to check it out. I still got to check it out. Um, Mythic Quest season two, episode five. Uh, or, or episode six and the mm-hmm. quarantine episode. Uh, Jeff, what else you watching? Well, I'm I've been checking out a a number of episodes of A and E's biography. They've been doing a series on uh, wrestlers on WWE superstars, and uh, I watched the Stone Cold Steve Austin episode, uh, which was very interesting, and the one that just debuted a couple nights ago was my favorite wrestler well one of my favorite wrestlers uh mick foley and so this is a biography that uh mick foley who was known as mankind or dude love or cactus jack um that he you know full cooperation and he endorsed in fact on twitter he urged people to watch it he he posted some notes from the filmmakers that uh his biographers and and documentarians who like felt like it was a privilege to work on the show and, and just felt like it improved their life uh, Mick Foley, a very special individual, in my opinion. Um, the reason I do cameos is because uh, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Danish Syed, sent me a Mick Foley cameo, and it convinced me because Mick mm-hmm. does cam- a lot of cameos now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm a big fan of his. Great, Great to hear he, that. Yeah, yeah. There's really no other reason. There's no other reason that I'm doing it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I have, a, I, you know, I have one person to thank yep. for that. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Anyway, if you don't know who Mick Foley is, he is—he's a big teddy bear, sweet, sweet man. He wrote children's books. He's a multi-time published author. I've read a number of his books. He wrote 
you know, autobiographies and fiction and children's books. He's also uh, like obsessed with Santa Claus and he's part of the International Association of Santas and made a career of injuring himself quite severely for the entertainment of other people. Uh, and in a, in a profession, professional wrestling, where individuals injure themselves, he went above and beyond. Uh, he lost an ear in the ring uh, from ripping it off to save his own life when he was uh, trapped in the ropes. Uh, he put himself there on purpose, uh, but couldn't get out and ripped his own ear off. He's lost numerous teeth. And it, it, it is, uh, he's unique among people in that profession for what he was willing to put his body through. Uh, he w went to Japan for several years and competed in matches where they would uh, take down the the ropes in the ring and replace them with barbed wire, real barbed wire. Um, so he's done some pretty grisly things to his own body. And this this biography goes through all of that, it talks about his family life, talks about his upbringing. His, it's got a, a wealth of what I would assume are personal home videos and uh, pictures of of his young days and his early career and what uh, what prompted his his rise to stardom in the WWE and that whole road that whole journey of you know living in his car and driving from place to place and doing shows in front of twenty people in an auditorium all that stuff so if you're into any of that it's it's pretty well done I will say that his particular biography on A&E is framed around the match that he's known for, and I, which I happen to think is the most dramatic pro wrestling match of all time. It's very famous Hell in the Cell match between him and The Undertaker, where he takes some of the most vicious bumps anyone has ever taken in wrestling. He flies off the top of the cage and lands on a table uh, on his shoulder. It is an insanely crazy thing to do. He did that on purpose. And then the, the cage, uh, and then they cart him out on a stretcher. He gets off the stretcher, comes back, climbs to the top of the cage again, and his choke slammed through the cage, which was not intended and nearly killed him. Um, it is a very dramatic wrestling match. It's one of my favorites of all time. It's an, it, it's hard to watch it and not get completely invested in these human beings just seeing what they're willing to put their bodies through. Um, and they frame the entire biography around that match, which I think makes sense in the sense that that is the match he's always asked about. That is the match that is synonymous with his career. Um, but the WWE did an, a documentary just about that match, which is so superior to this biography of his life that it feels like it does a disservice to framing it around that match because there are so many details that are left out of this biography's take on that match that it feels like it it doesn't it doesn't give it its due. It, it, there are so many moments that are explained in detail of how how everyone reacted when he fell through the top of the cage and how Terry Funk, his mentor, went in the ring and tried to buy him some time to regain consciousness and figure out who he was and where he was uh, before he then continued the match, brought in a bag of thumbtacks, and then they had a <laughs> continue the match on top of thumbtacks. There's a number of really compelling details about how all that went down, uh, stuff from The Undertaker uh, and, and, and him that's in the other documentary that I think is superior. So I've probably talked about this way more than anyone wants to hear it. But I'm, I'm, you know, a closeted 
wrestling fan and I, uh, I am addicted to this stuff. And I think it's really cool that biography is making a whole series of it. They're doing a number of wrestlers and the stone cold Steve Austin one is, is pretty compelling as well. You see how he started as this long haired blonde, <laughs> uh, guy and, and, uh, became the, you know, the stone cold badass that we all know. That's the A&E biography of Mick Foley. Jeff, anything else you've been watching? Yeah, I checked out a movie because of a recommendation from hashtag slash tag. I always check those every week. Thank you all for your recommendations. It is always appreciated. Uh, and a hashtag slash tag recommendation for a film called Eat Wheaties, which I believe I have to say like that because it has an exclamation point at the end in the title. Um, this is part of my ongoing effort that I have highlighted uh, several weeks now of uh, watching films from first-time writer-directors. Uh, this is, I think, the first feature, I'm pretty sure it's the first feature from a writer-director, Scott uh, Abramovich. And it is, uh, it's based on a novel, but it's, a, it's got a, a cast of people that we all love. Uh, Tony Hale is the star. Uh, I, know, I know we all love Tony Hale mm -hmm. from Arrested Development fame. Elisha Cuthbert's in it. Uh, Alan Tudyk is in it. Um, Sarah Goldberg from uh, from Barry is in it. Like everybody that's in this, you go, oh, I remember them from that show I love. Oh, I know that person from that show I love. Uh, so it's got the, it's got a great cast. Even bit parts are all these recognizable uh, actors from from great shows. And the idea behind this movie is that this character played by Tony Hale. Uh, comes to just signs up for Facebook for the first time and comes to understand that he went to school with um Elizabeth um oh, what's her name uh Banks Banks yes excuse me Elizabeth Banks mm -hmm. the the actress Elizabeth Banks um and it changes his life he starts like being convinced that this is the case and tells everybody about it and it, it kind of is a source of confidence for him, even though it becomes increasingly clear that maybe he's misremembering or exaggerating. And it's a very quirky, kind of dark, weird movie. And I like quirky, dark, weird movies. Uh, it's a comedy, but it's, it's sort of moody and strange. And you see this guy kind of self-destruct a bit. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not a home run. But it is a unique movie, and I, I think people should give it a shot. Uh, it is not, uh, it's not a, a pure recommend from me. I'm not, I'm not saying rush out and see this one. Uh, it cost me six bucks to watch it on demand. But if you're looking for something a little different with a bunch of people you're likely are going to recognize and enjoy, I think you could do worse than eat Wheaties. Uh, it, it just kind of unfolds in a very unconventional way doesn't really go where I expected it to go. I thought for sure uh, we were going to see Elizabeth Banks show up at some point, but it's strange. It's just a very odd movie. Uh, very odd movie. Eat Wheaties. Uh, and that is available for rent or purchase on video on demand right now. That is what we've been watching this week. I just need to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Quip. Let's talk mouthwash. Right? Mouthwash hasn't changed in 140 years. Most brands are still selling those big bulky bottles that are mostly full of water and alcohol. 
And that's why the oral care experts at Quip created a mouthwash that gives you more of the ingredients you need and less of the stuff that already comes out of your faucet. Plus, their alcohol-free, 4X concentrated mouthwash comes in an eco-friendly refill bottle that's 100% recyclable. It's their way of helping make your mouth a little cleaner and the earth a little greener. Now, you've heard me talk about how much I love my Quip toothbrush, my Quip gum. They're even making gum. But now Quip mouthwash is the next step. It kills bad breath germs, helps prevent cavities, and leaves you feeling fresh thanks to a formula that gives your mouth everything it needs and nothing it doesn't. Their 4X concentrate has fluoride, xylitol, and CPC, but they left out the artificial colors and stinging alcohol that you find in a lot of those other rinses. And the refillable dispenser's compact footprint can fit in any bathroom, big or small. And with five colors and two high-end finishes to choose from, you're guaranteed to find a dispenser that matches your style. This is the one mouthwash that you definitely won't want to hide under your sink. Sit it on your counter, it's beautiful. And it's a reminder to rinse every day. And a subtle way of letting everyone know that your oral care is next level. Quip's refillable mouthwash is good for your mouth and the planet. With that 4X concentrated formula, Quip ships less water and more good-for-you ingredients, and each eco-friendly refill replaces a big, bulky 470-milliliter bottle from one of those other big brands once it's been diluted. And Quip's refill bottles are made from 100% recyclable plastic. When you add a mouthwash refill plan, you can make sure your rinse never runs out. With a customizable subscription, you can get refills automatically delivered straight to your door every three months. You can stay on top of your swish without lugging any bottles home from the store. How refreshing is that? You know that Quip also delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months from five bucks. And shipping is free, so you can save money and skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. And if you go to getquip.com filmcast5 right now, you can get $5 off a mouthwash starter kit. That's $5 off a mouthwash starter kit, which includes a refillable dispenser and a 90-dose supply of Quip's 4X concentrated formula at getquip.com slash filmcast5. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T and then the number five. Quip, the good habits company. All right, folks, let's get to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly Plugs is a part of the show each week where we plug something that we helped make, that we were in, or that someone else uh, made what we recommend. Uh, This week, guys, it's happening. I'm doing another YouTube recap show about a Disney Plus show. Oh, boy. Hopefully this Uh, one will go better for you. That's never gone wrong for you. That's never ended horribly (laughs) and with tears. Uh, Okay, but this time the show is Loki. There's only six episodes. I've already seen two of them, and I like them. Nothing so could go wor- wrong. Yeah. So yeah. worst case scenario, I liked a third of the show. You know? Anyway, if Do you, you want a title for the show yet? Uh, no, there's no. It's just on my YouTube channel. It's just on my YouTube oh, channel. So boring. yeah, I know. I know. It's boring. It's boring. Um, but because I was going to suggest, I low key love it. Yeah, looking up Loki. 
Come on. Okay, well, now Come I'm on. really going to have to think about that. Anyway, <laughs> youtube.com slash Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen S K Y. Uh, I'm going to re- be recapping every episode with Dan Gvozdin. Uh, and so, and, and I think I'm going to like it. I'm, I'm really feeling good about this one, guys. I'm really feeling good about it. Okay. Divinity Hardware, your weekly plug. Wanted to shout out a couple of things. Uh, I fully reviewed NVIDIA's RTX 3080 Ti. I think I mentioned it last week as part of the news, but you can check that out in Gadget. And I'll have a look at the uh, the 37Z Ti sometime. Sometime. Aren't they, aren't they, sometime aren't they claiming that you pronounce it T? T, Ti. Technically Ti, but I've always tie. said Ti. So that's I, just, Everyone's that's always just said Ti. They can't We've change it now. We've always said Ti. Uh, so, yeah, I know the, the CEO started saying Ti, and now everyone is like, that, that's what we're doing because it's for titanium. Anyway, very, very fast video cards. Uh, good luck finding one, folks. Uh, it's hell out there. Yeah. The market is insane. All right, Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug? Hey, Father's Day is coming up. You know what the perfect gift for father of any kind is? Your father, any father, random father, somebody who's not like even a father. A, maybe like a tie or a, or like a mug or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to be lame. <laughs> maybe like a hat? Like a cap no, or something? come on. A set of golf clubs? <sighs> Please. Talk about uh, ni- 1974 call and they want their gifts back, Dave. <laughs> How about a personally crafted, hand-delivered limerick made by yours truly? That's right. Available now at cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. You can order a limerick for any occasion and just peruse some of my five-star reviews on cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. You'll see that people have been delighted, nay, astounded by, uh, by the limericks they have received for a variety of of occasions and father's day is the perfect opportunity to uh to get one i i truly enjoy doing them and uh people seem to like them so check it out cameo.com slash jeff canada all right those were, were our weekly plugs let's get to our review of wrath of man ladies and gentlemen we have a new edition h portico security specialized in cash trucks across la do you have any idea how dangerous this job can be? Some out there, yeah. We ain't the predators. We're the prey. You ready? Ready. This is your temporary sidearm. What happens if we're putting pistols in a machine gun fight? Do you have a problem? I don't know. Do I? It's a 10 grand drop. You should have been back five minutes ago. They're serious! Leave this to me. Get in the truck next time. Sorry, pal. That was from the trailer for Wrath of Man, the newest film by director Guy Ritchie. Uh, I think I can read this plot summary. Right? Sure. Okay, yeah, I'm going to yeah, read the plot yeah. summary. Here we go. Uh, this is from IMDb. Quote, the plot follows H, a cold and mysterious character working at a cash truck company responsible for moving hundreds of millions of dollars around Los Angeles each week. End quote. That is the entire plot summary. Pretty vague. We are going to be pretty vague in this first non-spoiler section. Let's start with Devendra. Your overall thoughts on Wrath of Man, which again you can uh, you can rent right now, and is also in theaters. Oh yeah, I I absolutely love this movie. This movie is uh, I think made for people who love Jason Statham action movies, but also know what the good ones are. Right? And I think like he's made so many so many action movies. And I think this is one that actually 
it's Guy Ritchie getting him back in. I think like he has a decent understanding of like what you could do with Statham as an action star. This entire movie is Jason Statham just like sitting quietly in a corner, you know, like the uh, the Simpsons episode we keep referring to with the Yakuza. And he's just like the quiet Yakuza guy. And you you want to see what he does. You want to see what he does. And he, he does a whole lot. I, I love this movie. I think it's very badly written. I'll say that like the, it opens up with a lot of uh, a lot of conversations with people that feel like a uh, D grade Tarantino dialogue. Mm. Um, like, yeah, the, the opening scene is just like a, a shot from within a cash truck of just these two guards talking to each other and uh, hated their delivery, hated the words they were saying. Um, <laughs> but I think this movie is really interesting in terms of what it does. Uh, but other than the characters' of, delivery and the words they were saying, the movie <laughs> luckily crazy. they're not characters we see again. You know, <laughs> there's just like some random guards. Um, I don't think this movie does Holt McKelney any favors because I love him, but uh, him saying the words that are written for this movie n- not so good. Um, I love the cast. I, I think the cast is great, and as a sort of like uh, it is a flip on the Jason Statham revenge you know action genre similarly to the movie we talked about last week in a way too it's kind of interesting we we reviewed uh what was it um, writers of justice writers of justice and this one both of which have like the same conceit of tough guy getting revenge and guy looks tough and shoots everybody but i think they go about it in different ways and they're both like introspective and interesting in different ways. This one definitely leans more on the action, but uh, yeah, I love this a lot. I do like Guy Ritchie when he kind of uh, just kind of goes for it uh, in terms of weird ideas. There there aren't like many cinematic flourishes here, but it is a nice down and dirty action movie, I thought. All right. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Wrath of Man? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Wrath of Man are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Can more interesting parts overrule what's deserving of ridicule? (laughs) The structure is baffling. I started out laughing, but by the end, I thought the movie was cool. Cool. (laughs) With a question mark. There's a question mark at the end. I was like, ooh, I hope you liked it. There's a question mark at the end. Cool. Um,. I agree with everything Devinder said about that opening scene, for sure. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. But it doesn't just stop with the opening <laughs> scene. Uh, there is, it is very difficult to talk about this movie without mm. spoilers. So most of what I think of it will have to happen after the spoiler marker on our show. But I will say, I do not understand why this movie is structured the way it is. It makes yeah. the movie worse. Guy Ritchie, baby. Yeah. It's 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 a baffling, baffling decision. And the you don't like actual, moving back and forth in time for no reason? But the actual <laughs> the actual premise of what this movie is is rad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a really cool idea. Completely not I want to say borked by its execution, but it's not. Like it it puts itself back behind the starting line, like like 20 feet. But then it kind of catches up and it it's weird. There's a there's a large section of this movie without Jason Statham that is yeah. so much better than all of the stuff with Jason <laughs> Statham. Mm-hmm. How dare you? So much How better. Dare you? It's like this Jason Statham movie gets interrupted by a much better movie. <laughs> with, with and then the, we starring Jeffrey Donovan of all people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh 
so in, in the end, I was like, I, I think I like this, but it did itself no favors. It tried to make me hate it. Yes, exactly. And I almost did hate it. And it, if it just reorganized itself slightly, it would be so much better. And it doesn't make any sense to me. But there is some fun to be had. And a really, really clever idea completely buried by asinine script writing and and there are a number of things that i want to bring up in spoilers specifically but i will just say like mm -hmm. I, i'm glad i watched it i did have fun but in a lot of ways this movie infuriates me yeah mm. yeah yeah well i really loved it as well and jeff it's interesting you you capture both sides of the debate on this movie which is love it and hate it there's very little in between opinion on this one for some reason yeah um but yeah i had a great time it's a really fun genre exercise. I mean, this movie delivers on the fundamental premise, which is you want to watch Jason Statham being an ass. Uh, sorry, what did I say? You want to watch Jason Statham being a badass. I don't know what an ass is. I actually, yeah, I do know what an ass is. It's an ad tech bro. Yeah, mm. uh, I thought you were going nice. to math people to yeah. death. Nailed it, nailed it, guys. Mm. Um, but yeah, you want to watch Jason Statham being a badass. You want to mm. watch some of that good old ultra violence. And if you're tuning in for Guy Ritchie, you want a little bit of pretension and a yeah, little bit of a little uh, style. Yeah. A little, yeah, a little bit of that style, a little bit of like a like a stylistic flourishes that draw attention to themselves, and most likely some unnecessary non-linear storytelling. And this movie just <laughs> delivers on all of the above. So yeah. it completely delivered on my expectations, right? Mm -hmm, Which were mm -hmm. not that high, uh, but I had a great time watching it. And if you're looking for a fun action movie with some, you know, a, a random twist or two. Uh, then I think you're going to have a great time with Wrath of Man. So and a fun assortment of action bros too. I'll put a yeah. point out. Josh Hartnett's yeah. in this movie for apparently yeah. Yeah, no for reason. Some reason. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Scott Weird. Eastwood. I think this is one of. I don't normally like seeing Scott Eastwood in things, but I think he does this is a his, great my job favorite of role being, that he's yeah, ever done. He's no, an absolute prick in this movie yeah. and yeah. really good at it. Yeah. All right. Let's get the spoilers starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. All right, I think this is the part, Jeff, where you're going to explain to us why this movie was wrongly structured and what the <laughs> better structure would have been. Well, I mean, do you guys... Think I don't think that's the big problem of this movie, but go, go <laughs> I mean there it. are other problems. There, for are, sure. there are much bigger problems. Clunky ass dialogue, but yeah. but we gain nothing by not knowing who he is at the beginning. It, the mystery of why he's awesome at what he does pales in comparison to how cool it would be knowing that he's infiltrating this this uh, uh, this uh, this company. Mm -hmm. for this perf purpose I, that's, that's another way of saying that story but uh man that's really uh not very unsullied of you jeff wow <laughs> it did no, honestly it, jeff it didn't bother me at all yeah yeah like, it didn't bother the, you. the idea that it's slowly revealing to you who he is i actually enjoyed the i'm like hmm, who is this guy and then sl slowly appeals back the layers of like what happened but his entire plan is predicated on this certainty that they are going to hit the they're going to do the same crime again, mm -hmm. which makes yeah. zero sense. Listen, like, a lot he, of things don't make sense in this movie. Okay, apparently uh, nobody remembered who the other guy the the bad gang shot 
like um what's it donovan's gang they they don't remember his face like that wasn't in the news <laughs> everywhere man and son gunned down in broad daylight for no apparent reason um like yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things that just don't make sense how do they not even know who he is and also like how are they not just like somebody is out there killing all the gangs aren't they <laughs> a little just watching out watch out for somebody trying to like you know stop them right. because apparently somebody is doing it right now or how about this is the worst uh money moving company of all time because it gets <laughs> hit like every two weeks but also yeah the, the entire notion that okay so he's been searching and searching and searching for the person that killed his son that's all he wants to do is find out who killed his son he can't find them so what is he going to have to do? Well, I guess I'm going to go have to work at a job at the place they already, they already, does any, any criminal in the history of time do the same crime twice in a row? Like uh, it's, the idea, his entire notion is like, the one thing I know for certain is that they are going to do the same no, no, exact no. So, crime so again. The, the main thing, by the way, is like, I think they, after they uh, messed up all the gangs, they were like, this has to be an inside job. So he had right. to go inside to the company yes. that was hit to figure out who hit him. That's why he was taking yeah. photos of the IDs and like, you know, doing background checks and everybody. I, yeah, I, it, that just did not bother me at all. Like it, I understand <laughs> well, clearly nothing bothered you in this movie. It's, <laughs> well, it's so dumb I, I, on I so say, many levels. I will say that the thing that bothered me, yeah, like so, some of the, some of the believability things that Devendra mentions kind of bothered me. And then there was that scene where, He's in the truck and the truck gets boosted. Jason Statham's in the truck and the truck mm -hmm. is about to get robbed. Then he comes out and then all the other people are like, oh my gosh, it's him. And they run away. And it's like, really? Like he didn't think to tell them like what his plan was, you know, yeah, like yeah. he almost got himself killed yeah. in that situation. So anyway, there, there's certainly things that like that, that bother me. Um, I also think kind of the way in which Jeffrey Donovan's crew is introduced it feels like they got a little bit of short shrift. It feels like this mm -hmm. movie is trying to be like a heat, like an epic sort of, wow, this is a sprawling movie that's not only about these bank robbers and the people who hunt them, but also like about toxic masculinity in some ways. And it just never really got there. It never really made any sort of broader point, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Even yeah, Den about, of Thieves is like more interesting than this movie, I think. It's um, about uh, psychopaths killing other psychopaths. Right, exactly. So I'm just saying... Uh, it's not like nothing bothered me, Jeff, but just like mm -hmm. I didn't get hung up on some yeah. of this, this, these plot machinations that were like the movie's very far fetched. The but guy, I the think... guy is a freaking mob boss. He's <laughs> he's joining a bank <laughs> truck company and he's murdering dudes left and right. It's like, so dumb. But, but that's why it bothers me the way it's structured at the beginning because the the first twenty minutes of this movie is a terrible movie. It's mm -hmm. a terrible, terrible movie with bad dialogue and a bunch of characters. No one behaves like a human being. Who, who's at this all hot at shot guy? Yeah, but then none of them behave like a human being. None of the dialogue for any of those the, those scenes in the in the locker room at the at the pool table, and yeah. none of it makes any damn sense. And you're supposed to like retroactively go, oh, he's he was the mob boss the whole time. That's why he behaved in that completely idiotic way. Like that's that's the fun payoff is to me go, oh, it wasn't. Oh, he okay. My take on that whole beginning is completely wrong because <laughs> I didn't know. It's like, no, th that's not a fun feeling. <laughs> I don't know. That's not a cool I, I like think we, M Night we, reveal. As an audience, know 
we know this guy has got a big history. Like, it's not a surprise to us. But I do think the movie could be smarter about how it sort of reveal that surprise maybe to to the people. I think it's just so badly written. If this movie had like a nice, written. like nice bit of polish by somebody who could craft human dialogue, um, especially for Holt McKelney. Like I just every time he spoke in this movie, I just like yeah. I felt physically hurt because I and love this his, guy. What yeah. is his fucking deal? Like all of a sudden, it, it, all of a sudden he just decides to murder all the people that he works with. This, like, this, this is what I will say. Yeah. The movie did it, that is bold. Right. Which is it spends time, a lot of time introducing you to all these side characters and kind of making you like them, you yeah. know, in, in my opinion. Like, I'm like, oh, Josh Hartnett, I care about what happens to uh, Boy Sweat Dave. I care about what happens to <laughs> names. Niam Algar's character. Uh, she plays Dana. Yeah. Su- such a striking, beautiful looking person. And she also, by the way, plays one of the main characters in Raised by Wolves, the HBO Max original for those. Oh, that's where I know that face. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know her face. Yeah. Exactly. So she's she's like just a really compelling screen presence. I'm like, uh, okay, pretty fucked up that Jason Statham slept with you and then threatened your life. <laughs> and started but, you cheating know, at you. Yeah. Again, yeah. another scene that just makes no sense as you're watching it. And then retroactively you go, oh, this yeah, movie okay. would actually be a lot better if people just stopped talking. Right. If it was just like Jason Statham staring at people and this being like a Malik movie with very little dialogue, you know, of just him like going through the job. I'm not disputing that. Um, yeah, I think it would. I, I yeah. think uh, but I care about all these people. And then basically by the end, virtually every single person is dead. Which it, is I was like, shocked oh, by that. Pretty yeah. bold, pretty bold, like move like movies usually don't kind of break those unspoken rules of you can't like kill all these people that the audience is sympathizing with. So mm-hmm. uh, whether or not that worked for you, you know, I do think it was an audacious decision. Uh, it is, but Jeff, it's bleak. Been, this is a bleak movie. Yes, like super absolutely. Bleak. It's called Wrath of Man. You've been talking, Jeff, you've been talking about why you think this movie's dumb, but at the end, you kind of came around in the movie. So like, mm-hmm. what yeah. were some reasons that you actually ended up liking this film? I think the entire plot with Jeffrey Donovan's crew is cool. Yeah. And, and the, the it's notion really good. that, it's so cool. It's so interesting. And the the premise, which is, what if there was this established crime thing, and then these new idiots, like, rob, you know, start to do something because they think they, they can, and ult- uh, just by sheer happenstance, kill the wrong dude. Like, yeah. fuck with the wrong guy. Like, that's a, that's a really Very interesting- Very John Wick- you know, in its yeah. in its conception, yeah, right, yeah. You just, they just, it, you know, obviously, Statham's crew was setting up to knock over this thing, the, the you know, this exact same thing, the trucks, and these guys just did it first and didn't just oblivious to the fact that a much more established, much more brutal crew <laughs> was on that turf already. It's such a cool concept of just like, well, sorry, bad luck to you, and how are you going to deal with it? But it takes so long to get to that. And it comes to that in such a roundabout way. Like the Jason Statham movie, it it wants to be this Jason Statham movie that is a cartoon. And then it transitions to something that's really grounded and much more interesting. And it's like, well, why did we waste our time with this cartoon movie? We didn't need that. I didn't need that. <laughs> I do I agree that the, the Jeffrey Donovan, all that stuff, like we learn about like Jeffrey Donovan's family and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, wow, like. Very I, triple I wish frontier. More, I the wish way. the movie had another hour to kind of explore that world. Absolutely, you know? very triple yeah. frontier. A movie which I think we should yeah. reassess. Yeah, I liked that yep. movie. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of triple frontier, this is the second movie we've seen in the last month 
where the volume and weight of cash yes. in a heist is completely disregarded. Yes. Right? Yes. I think they're, they're stealing tens of millions of dollars, and literally the plan is we're going to just fit it into two Priuses. Two, two, one, one Prius. <laughs> oh, one Prius. Yeah. One Prius. Fit it into also, a Prius. Why, why did they have two ATVs? And then the Prius parked a little bit up the road. Like, just, <laughs> just put the Prius in the Prius. That's so true. It's so true. What, okay. I mean, what did you guys think of the final ending where they're intercutting him planning the heist with scene from the heist? I actually really dug it. Some people were like, this completely robs the scene of all its, its tension. No, dude. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. really cool. That We know that the dude's already dead and he's talking right, about yeah, how what really happened if, I if it there's was, only one of us left standing what it's going to be like i thought that was so cool really interesting yeah really interesting dynamic i thought mm-hmm. just like i i'm not I, I don't know if it was good but it was like i'm like <laughs> my interest is peaked by this, this is different you know? yeah, yeah this is I, different. I feel like this sometimes guy Ritchie just gets bored right and like he makes a movie like <laughs> man from uncle which apparently he had no clue that it was like a movie that people actually liked right but he did this thing and he did some new unique things like oh that was fun and then I eat that up. You know, I eat it up when Guy Ritchie like does something really cool and interesting. Maybe because I watched Snatch way too many times when I was in college. Yeah. I also think that the the end reveal of Statham, Statham not being dead and having tracked him down is completely uh, given short that. shrift. Yeah. It, it, they wanted to do that thing that's in every fucking movie. And it's not interesting of like, oh, he was sitting in the room the whole time. When what we could have had is Statham like literally using find my phone to track this guy down. That could have been I, hilarious. I just don't know how he survived. Like, do we have, was he wearing, he wasn't wearing enough armor. No, we just, he's just Jason Statham. So yeah. of course he can he, get he shot transformed 50 it. times. Yeah. There's, a, there's an avant-garde film somewhere of like the whole movie is just the weight that Jason Statham has sitting in that chair waiting for <laughs> that guy to come home. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. There's so, and there's so many movies where it's just like, they're waiting for the person to come home and turn the light on. Yeah. He and makes like, coffee, what? you know, yeah, what, he just what like is hangs going out? through that person's mind <laughs> yeah. as they're sitting oh, in the chair for like in. three hours. He's going to come in anytime. He's going to come in his gun pointed. Oh, when I he bet comes gonna, in, it's going to be so freaking no, sweet, he's gonna, man. He's going to, okay, he's going to have to walk over to the table. So if I sit myself facing the table. Yep. Oh, the light is not coming at the right angle here you know we uh, gotta reposition ourselves <laughs> it's like that scene in uh bo burnham's inside where he's like fussing with the light over yeah. and over again yeah, yeah, <laughs> except yeah. for murder yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is sort of this movie turns into crank uh crank two all of a sudden right where how the hell did he survive that fall in crank one right and i, yeah. I, re- I remember an interview with neville dean and taylor where they were like uh he gets up like we we wrote we wrote the movie so he gets up you know yeah yeah so sure whatever but it's it's so much more like that's a clever idea to just throw your phone into somebody else's bag Mm -hmm. as the as the tracking device what what a cool thing that is completely robbed of any cool in the movie where he just shows up in the room instead of showing you know machinations of what it would take to find my phone i love that anyway (laughs) I think you're right, though, that like the ending is kind of an anticlimax, right? Like so anticlimactic, so much build. Like literally, since the first or second scene, we've been building to this moment, and it's over in like five seconds. That said, and, uh, I, I think Scott Eastwood genuinely comes across as like a menacing evil figure. Absolutely, you know. What I'm also, I, think, I, yeah. I really question Jeffrey Donovan's management skills. Like that guy, you know, you don't bring that guy to the team. 
like he, yeah. he, he, yeah. he, 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 he's insubordinate in a meeting you know like uh i, I don't trust him with anything S- scott eastwood is like the wayne grow <laughs> of this movie right from heat yeah like he's yeah. he's the wild he's wearing card. a wayne grow t-shirt like i love wayne grows and i love betraying <laughs> all my friends i heart wayne grow basically is what scott eastwood's character is and uh and jeffrey I, I mean, Dahmer's I like say- i should watch that heat movie someday huh yeah, I will say genuinely shocking moment when he executes Holt McCallany. You yes, know, like I yes. was like, woo, like you know, he'd done some brutal things until that point, but when he just straight up kills that guy, it was, like, it was both like I wish they had played up the tension because they were both planning to kill each other, right? Right, right and yeah. that was a great moment to just like really hold on for a bit. Yeah, yeah. That, I feel like this movie does that over and over and over. Mm-hmm. It has this potential to really make a moment f- dramatic and and matter. And it doesn't really care to do it. It just doesn't, it doesn't care to, it just shows it to you and gives it to you rather than making you want it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Yep. I I don't think they fully knew like what to, I don't know what to focus on or like how to really make the story pop in certain ways. I will say um, about the last scene, I do think the reading the autopsy report and doing like, and even the title in front of it was like, Oh, this is this is kind of intriguing and mysterious. What is this referring to? Um, and then shooting him in those places. That again, another thing that I think could be drawn out a little longer. Could have been if I was, set up. If I could was Jason Statham, like I, I would make that last, you know. Mm. But also, I mean, movie set that up. You yeah, have that whole scene yeah. where he gets the autopsy report. Why not in that moment have her say the heart, the head, the lungs, whatever the thing? Mm-hmm. And you, so you have that in your head as a viewer. And then at the end, he goes here's how I'm going to kill you. The heart. So it doesn't just read it in that moment yeah, and yeah. do it in that moment. You yeah. have this buildup, but the movie doesn't care about any of that. It you just... want dramatic tension, Jeff. Yes. And, uh... Out of a movie? Yes. <laughs> my, my question is speaking of heart, the head and the, the lungs and all that stuff. I'm curious, like is guy Richie high off his own supply? And what oh, I mean absolutely. by that is yeah. there are incredibly ominous, portentous chapter headings in this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And like, does he think, He's making brilliant art that's like a Renaissance painting. With Have you movie. seen a Guy Ritchie movie? I mean, well, yeah. that's the thing I have. I've seen like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch and movies like that and like Revolver. I've seen basically all his movies other than yeah, Swept yeah, yeah. Away. And, and he, he, he has been he, high on his own supply no, but, since but, but Snatch. Those movies all, I feel, understand that they are like at baseline, like kind of entertainments. Like they are. At yeah. their core, like f- mm. like fun, There's, yeah, goofy characters with culture, silly accents, right, silly silly stuff. Like, yeah, he, you do not get that feeling watching Wrath of Man. You get the feeling this. He's like, I, 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 I am like creating a treatise on revenge. That's kind of what I feel. Revolver when I'm felt this a movie. bit like this, to be honest. Like, Revolver didn't know. feel really fun. Yeah, to Revolver me, but, yeah. was a piece of crap. But like, I mean, yeah, yeah. not not a great movie. Um, but I, I I just I'm just curious. Like, does he really think this is great art? Because it is at best a fun heat ripoff right sure and, sure. and so just the, the 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 chapter headings kind of took it over the top for me like this is just very silly in my opinion right <laughs> it's it's hard to overstate how bad the first 20 minutes of this movie are it, it, it is <laughs> like there's not a single line of dialogue that sounds like a human being talking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it is all in these like overwritten witticisms and bon mot you know it, mm-hmm. it's, it's it is completely asinine it's as that, that entire sequence of 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 introducing h to everybody else like how he gets the name h why other people have names opening the lockers and, <laughs> and seeing like naked buttocks and, and oh, now no. we're, like all of that shit is so 
terrible. It's very it's, stilted. It's very stilted. I will grant you that for sure. Um, but you know, eventually you settle in, and the movie becomes its own thing. You, you get used to the the assault on your senses. Yeah. Well, it almost <laughs> like it almost abandoned. Like once the movie becomes what it's actually about, yeah. it kind of abandons all that stuff. It does. It stops trying to be this Jason Statham bro movie and mm-hmm. be kind of becomes something more interesting and and i just I, I, don't know. I, I do like the idea of jason statham as basically a force of nature which is also how he was used in was it furious six or seven like when he you know the when he was introduced in the fast and furious movies yeah. that is how i like my statham i like him like you know just like insane and wild and doing crazy stuff um so i, I think at the very least this movie uses his talents really well this doesn't feel like a mechanic or something for him where a movie he could do in his sleep. But let me ask you this question, Devendra. I kind of know how you're already going to answer uh-huh, it, uh-huh. but it, can you imagine this movie with, I don't know, an act, an actor in that part, like not an action star, mm-hmm. an actor, yeah, you know, yeah, I could, you know, it, it is a little closer to heat, right? It's a little closer to, you, you, instead of trying to make this, this superhuman, this like larger than life action hero guy, you actually lean into how dark and interesting it would be to fuck with the wrong dude. Like that's basically what happens is these soldiers fucked with the wrong dude. Sure, sure. And and they didn't know it. They didn't know that's what they were doing. And if you have an actual like grounded performance in a script that's maybe a little more grounded and, and honors that tone... I think this movie, the premise of this movie is really good. And I think mm-hmm. it could actually be a really compelling drama with action instead of what it is. I don't, I don't know. Statham is my problem, right? Like I, I, I get yeah, your concern here, but he is, he is the reason I'm watching this movie, you know, like that's a, yeah. that's a certain amount of star power that you can't, I don't, you could get an actor to do this and it would be a very different thing. Um, but I don't, and then I don't know if I'd believe it when that person starts, you know, beating everybody up and shooting everybody and starts taking names. Like there is a certain amount of cred he's gained right now, just as who he is. So I I don't know. Like to me, that's not the issue. It's certainly this movie could have been sharpened uh, quite a bit. That whole opening sequence should have been 10 minutes, you know, if that with nobody talking, very little talking um yeah. just introduce these characters get, you know let us know what's going on and i feel like it tries really hard to show off at the beginning where you really kind of have to suffer through the slog to get to the good stuff and then even then like i think there there are simple issues of like yeah um hope mckellen's character probably should be aware of uh people who were killed by a similar you know by a hit you know, from a crew that he uh, he gave information to, he should have been the first person to recognize who Jason Statham was, and to for him yeah. to be absolutely oblivious to this. Like the the biggest problem with this movie is that everybody, so many people are just very stupid. You know? Yeah, agreed. Well, well guys, um, at the end of the day, yeah, mm-hmm. it's still pretty impressive that Guy Ritchie made a movie. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I argue with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, certainly. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. Of the Slash Filmcast. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to our review of Wrath of Man. Find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Our theme song comes from Adam Warrock. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Next week, 
we're going to be reviewing the new John Chu movie, In the Heights. Oh, boy. On HBO Max, which is based off of the musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I'm excited. It should be yeah. fun. Uh, FYI, it is two and a half hours long. So prepare yourselves for that. That's a yeah. real musical. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to see this movie. And uh, I have never seen the musical. And so uh, it's going to be a great conversation. Thanks for listening to the Slash Homecast. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs>